So I ended up trying to explain WebRTC to people that need to make decisions if they want to use or don't want to use it as a technology. Today, I think the most pressing issue is availability of developers. There aren't any. This and more on today's Communications Developer Zone as we talk about WebRTC for Business People, a new report from Sahi Levin-Levy. Welcome to episode 28 of the Communications Developer Zone, a podcast exploring real-time communications and technology. I'm Alan Percy, your podcast host, and joining me today is, is a returning guest in Sahi Levent-Levy. Uh, and uh, Sahi is the founder and publisher of bloggeek.me. And Sahi, glad to have you here today. Glad to be here, Alan. Thanks. Well, during today's session, uh, we take a few minutes to talk with Sahi about a revised report he's recently published titled uh, WebRTC for Business People. It's a look at the WebRTC ecosystem and some guidance for businesses looking to leverage technology. And, and just some thoughts on this is, you know, I, I, I've been active in watching WebRTC and it's gone really from the conceptual to the practical. And Sahi's done a really good job here with putting together uh, a great summary report that um, uh, I, we wanted to make sure some of our audience was aware of. So Sahi, I wanted to um, you know, just start out with, let's just talk a little bit about a history. If, you know, this is the second version of the report, but let's step back and think about you know, what was the impetus or what really drove you to put this report together in the first place? Well, it's actually the third version. Um... And this was the first report that I ever written. At oh, least, no you know, the first, yeah, the first official report, let's call it. And it started when I decided to go uh, and become a freelancer, a consultant. And I knew that one of the ways to make a name was to, you know, have a report out there. Uh, so I decided to write that as one of the first projects that I did. And from there, I ended up doing a lot of other projects as well on my own or through customers. Um, and what I wanted to do was write something about WebRTC uh, that would not be... I didn't want to go too high level and I didn't want to go too deep into WebRTC in that report. So I ended up trying to explain WebRTC to people that need to make decisions if they want to use or don't want to use it as a technology. So that was five years ago or four years ago or something like that. That's when it started. Uh, the first one was paid, the second one was sponsored, and uh, what got me to write this one, or let's say the revision, is that things change, and they change rather fast in WebRTC. And the report that I had just wasn't good enough anymore. Right. So I knew that people, I, I knew that people are downloading it, but I knew that what I'm giving them is too dated. It's not, you know, it's not fresh enough. Right. Uh, so I, I decided to refresh that and revise everything, and I got the sponsors to assist me with that. I noticed quite a bit of change in the most recent copy of. I noticed, you know, obviously there's been a huge consolidation and change in some of the some of the contributors to the ecosystem, uh, vendors and and developers, and um, maybe just some hint as to you know what you really found as new material that. Uh, that you put in the report? So there, there were two main things. First of all, I had to refresh a lot of the links and the information, like, you know, which browsers support WebRTC. That's the easy part. Uh, 
Right. Um, then you've got the issues that are really pressing. Today, I think the most pressing issue is availability of developers. There aren't any. <laughs> so I almost added a new chapter around that, about developers the, and the fact that there aren't any out there. And so that's one huge difference or change that is in this version. And the next part is I had to almost rewrite or I had to throw a lot of the use cases that I had there mm -hmm. and build new, new ones from scratch or aggressively update the ones that were already there. So the reason was that some companies got acquired and took off market and weren't interesting anymore. Right. And others were just gone or not not interesting or stayed in place for the last five years. And I didn't want that. I, I wanted something that would be relevant for today and would still make sense from business value to see how people make use of WebRTC not only for tinkering and playing with the technology, but actually making, I would say, even making money out of it in commercial products. Yeah, it, well, fact, the, the, that brings up an interesting topic, which is the use cases. I um, And scrolling through the report, uh, you know, you brought up some new use cases, and of course there's some tried and true use cases mixed in there. Um, it, just maybe share for a second some of the new ones that you thought were particularly interesting that that really um, are surprising new uh, opportunities in the industry. Yes, definitely. Uh, if I look at the ones that I have here, then the new ones include Beam, for example, the company that was acquired by Microsoft. I decided to have them here as Beam because that's how Microsoft treats them, and they're doing something that is quite different than the rest of the pack. It's not it's not video chat, it's just pure low latency broadcast at the extreme. So, you know, they use WebRTC, both ends doing everything. Uh, so I thought they were really important to add there, especially because they got acquired, which is, you know, success. Right. Yep. And they weren't. They, they also weren't acquired and forgotten about. They were acquired and immediately integrated into the Xbox experience. Sure. As a matter of so fact, this, this, this particular use case, I think, is important. And we could just dig a little bit deeper on it. I, I think, um, you know, a lot of folks join, or a lot of folks either through using uh, YouTube or other experiences, you know, they have the whole concept of I can, you know, I can listen to a quote-unquote live event. But what they don't realize is if they're using HTML streaming, um, you know, live is a very relative term. It's usually, um, there's usually quite a bit of latency, like in seconds, if not minutes of latency between what you're viewing versus the actual true live event. And there are certain kinds of events that can't withstand that kind of latency. And gaming is one perfect example. But education, town halls, a lot of these other kinds of, of events can't have you know seconds or minutes of latency between the live event. And um, maybe it would be worth talking about architecturally why this is this is important and different, and why WebRTC made a difference um, for this particular application. I guess that it's because low latency matters. It doesn't matter everywhere, but there are, there are two aspects of it. Low latency is great, but you pay for it, and you pay for it dearly. It costs you a lot more in terms of the resources that you need to throw at it. Mm -hmm. 
So running the operational part is going to be more expensive, and it is still new. Right. So that again brings you to that place where this thing is going to be expensive, no matter how you you know mm-hmm. roll the dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of the, the value proposition is in, is measured in milliseconds, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. But you know, Beam, Beam is one one interesting company, and there are others there that are interesting. Um, some other stories, you've got the Vacasa Rentals, which is nice because I haven't changed it at all in all of these years. Hmm. The only thing that I had to change is how big their business is. Hmm. You know, when I talked to them a few years ago, they used WebRTC through a third-party CPaaS, Communication Platform as a Service Vendor. Mm-hmm. So people, when they call Vacasa Rentals, gives you vacation homes. Okay, you can rent vacation homes. Similar to Airbnb in a way. So when you call to talk to them, they end up routing you to the right person or the right agent by using WebRTC. So the employees don't have a phone, they just have a laptop. And if it's opened and they're connected, they will get the call. So they build the whole contact center logic on their own using WebRTC. And the people that dial in don't even know about that. Mm-hmm. which is great. It, it looked nice, you know, three, four years ago. At the time when I talked to them, they were 500 homes for vacations in six states in the U.S. And now it's like they have 12 countries around the world with vacation homes in them that they are operating. Wow. So it's become a bigger business. And I wouldn't say that WebRTC is the reason they are there. But it certainly is helping them be there in terms of the agility that they get out of it. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting mm-hmm. one too. So yeah, so it's probably an example of you know a use case where where um, you know similar to the Uber use case, right? Where it you know allows people to be connected uh, efficiently from what I'm guessing from a mobile app then uh, or a browser. No, the people there just call on the phone. On the they phone, go to okay. the website, they see the phone number, then dial in. Got it. So you haven't changed anything for the customer, but the backend, the whole infrastructure, how the company itself, Vacasa Rentals, operates is now different. Right. Interesting. And that's what I found interesting, yes. Yeah. Another one is Upwork. Okay. Okay. Upwork. If if you knew Odesk or Olark or all of these vendors that offered you the ability to work with freelancers, usually you get a freelancer in developing countries for a lot less. Right. And you get whatever it is that you want to do with him. Okay. The designer, developer for a website, things like that. And the whole thing there is that you do everything through the site. And they wanted you to stay on their site. So they ended up adding WebRTC. It started by them adding a service called room.co, which was a third party. They just threw you on a ad hoc URL that was created. Mm-hmm. And then about a year or two ago, they decided to implement, to integrate WebRTC into the service instead. Sure. So now when you do a chat call, it's similar, a video call is similar to how you do that in Slack today. You just do it inside the service, and you don't need to go to a third party for that. Interesting. 
Well, that's a, some interesting use case. And, I, and I, you know, from scrolling through the report, you know, there's obviously there's dozens of use case examples across all the different industries, and I think that's a, that's a great way of presenting the information. Um, interesting. Um, so w one of the questions that sort of pops up is, um, uh, you know, there's a, obviously there's a group of sponsors that um, um, helped you put this together for this particular round of report. Do you want to just, just quick go over who who helped you uh, with sponsorships for the event or for the uh, yeah, definitely. paper? Yes, definitely. So I had there Blackspot Media. Mm -hmm. They do consulting and development work, outsourcing work around WebRTC. There's Dialogic, you guys. Mm -hmm. So thanks for sponsoring this. Uh, in the context of WebRTC, if I remember correctly, that's the Power Media XMS server that can act as an SFU and an MCU, so you can mix and route media in it. Quite a powerful tool there. And then there's a load balancer, application load balancer as well, that is suitable for WebRTC apps, I guess. Right. Correct? Yep, then, absolutely. Then we've got Temasys, one of the CPAS vendors, communication platform as a service. And there's WebRTC Ventures, Another one of the leading vendors that actually does outsourcing and consulting work around WebRTC. Right. Well, I've been fortunate. I've had uh, Blackspot and Temesis on uh, as guests on the podcast. I guess I'm going to have to get the WebRTC Ventures and, and uh, spend a couple of minutes with them, too. So anyway, that's great. So how does someone um, get a copy of the report? What's, what's the process to, to get a, access to the report? Well, you go to my website, blogeek.me. From there, you go to the reports page and you just download it from there. That's it. It's free to, you know, it's free for all because of the sponsorships. Right, right. And then if somebody wants to go beyond the, you know, the report, uh, obviously you offer consulting services and, and other things so that you, you could engage with somebody and give them some more insight. Is that correct? Yes, that's true. So yeah. there are other reports on my website that are paid for. There's the course for RTC developers that is going quite successfully, and there's my own consulting. Excellent. Well, good. Well, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with me and sharing, the, you know, the background a little bit on the report and, um, and, and you know, some uh, insight as to how it came to be. So um, we'll wrap up then. Um, just a couple of reminders to the listeners. You know, Sahi and I would love to hear from you. We always appreciate your thoughts and suggestions or comments. You can... Catch me on Twitter at Alan D. Percy, and you can catch Sahi at, at T-S-A-H-I-L on uh, Twitter. And, um, you know, once again, love to hear from you. And there's more great news and insight on the communicationsapplications.com site and also on the blog geek.me site. Um, you know, be sure to visit those two and, and sign up or subscribe either or both of them and um, with that Sahi I want to thank you for um, spending a couple of minutes with me and, and thanks the audience for spending some time uh, listening in uh, as we talk about WebRTC and um, continue the evolution so thanks Sahi for spending a minute thanks Alan always a pleasure <laughs>